0: Coming up, the number one fantasy book podcast. Breaking down the scrolls and spells of nerd culture. We're Phantology. You may have heard of us.
1: Hey, I would just like to say that for all of you people who have significant others or siblings or friends who don't like fantasy, maybe there's hope for you in the form of Mistborn.
2: Seriously, read. Tell your wives to read Mistborn.
1: Or husbands.
2: Even if they say that they might not like fantasy, chances are they'll like this book.
1: This is the secret sauce. Sometimes you have to sit down with them and force them to listen slash read it with at least the first few chapters with you before they get into it.
3: (laughs) It worked. Road trip, be in charge of the ox. (laughs) That's how you gotta do it.
0: Hey, what's up, Ska? This is Steven and Phantology bringing you another episode we're covering Mistborn, the Final Empire. This is the first Mistborn book, and this is a special episode of Fantology because we have some guest stars. We have Sydney and Peyton on the line, along with Ryan and Ben. So we've got five Fantology members here, ready to break down Mistborn. How's it going, everyone? How did you like? How did you guys like this book? I loved
1: it. I'm a little bit confused why you called Sydney and Peyton Fantology members, though.
4: We're new getting started.
3: Brian's roasting us.
1: Are they really members? Have you guys listened to a full podcast episode? Either of you?
3: In fact, I have. I took okay. time
4: out of my day. Yeah, I did.
1: Peyton has. What I'm about pretty
4: you? sure at least 90% of one.
1: Uh, okay, my wife, my own wife <laughs> isn't even sure that she's listened to a full episode of this
0: podcast. We'll treat this like a tryout. If they do well, they're in. If not, they're out. So listeners, let us know what you think. Of some diversity featured in infantology,
2: <laughs> yeah, this is as diverse as we get around here for now, but it's it's a it's a good thing for this book, right? We're going to stick with the theme in this book.
1: I might have said some things about Sydney in previous podcasts, how she did not like fantasy and how she would never read a fantasy book and i'm I guess I'm happy to say that I was wrong, yeah, let's
0: dive into that a little bit more, so Sydney. Defend yourself because I've heard Ryan say that before that you're not much of a fan of the genre. But sounds like you were way into Mistborn, yeah?
4: Yeah, so I started Way of Kings, could not get into it.
1: She read the prologue, the most confusing part of the book.
4: It was confusing. Like I said, I couldn't get into it. And then Ryan had me listen to the start of another book. What was it called?
1: It was the Lycanius Book One.
4: That one was like, it was good. I still wasn't like totally into it to like listen to it on my own. But yeah, we started watching, uh, not watching, listening (laughs) um, to Mistborn on a road trip and
1: I got hooked.
0: And Peyton was also on that road trip and she
1: also got hooked.
0: Okay. So what is it about Mistborn? Because Sydney, you talked about two examples of other books that maybe are a little too complex to get into. So both of you guys, like what was it about Mistborn that really drew you in?
3: I like fantasy books. I honestly would say that I probably just don't take the time out of my day to read them. I get very busy and distracted with other things. I don't know how it ended up. But Ryan basically told Sydney and I we were going to listen to this fantasy book on this car ride, and we didn't really have a choice. And from there, I was like, Okay, you know what, I really like this book, actually. And the next day, I kept listening to it more and more. And then I got addicted. So I think for me, it wasn't necessarily, I'm not into fantasy. It was just sitting down, taking the time out of my day to actually listen.
2: Yeah. And Peyton, what was the other book series that you said was your favorite before this one?
3: Oh, I really like Divergent. Nice throwback.
0: Ooh, Divergent. Okay. Mm, I tried that one. Didn't make it too <laughs> far, unfortunately. But if you do like Divergent, this could be like,
2: this is similar, right? It's kind of like a next a progression, a step maybe forward, or I don't know, like, it's in the same vein as, as Divergent. You have a strong female character that is participating in this dystopian society, right? It's it's similar.
0: Yeah, this is like an adult version, I guess, <laughs> right? So Sanderson writes adult fantasy, which is kind of a funny moniker for the genre. He's laughed about it before. I remember sitting in his class where he, where he uh, made a joke about that. But uh, all jokes aside, yeah, I, I believe you, Ben. Like, I think this is just kind of a step up along that type of story.
3: And I think for me, it would make complete sense. After I finished Divergent, I remember looking for similar books to this and not finding any joy in those books until I read Mistborn and I was like, okay, this is this is why I liked reading fun books. It like kind of brought me back.
0: And so Peyton, you've read all three of the Mistborn era one books, right? You've read the whole trilogy?
3: No, I'm halfway through the second one right now. Actually, I think, I think I'm three quarters now. So I'm almost done with that one, Well of Ascension, and then I'll start the third one as soon as I'm done.
2: But this isn't
0: a span. You started what, like a week and a half ago? Yeah. So this is pretty quick in terms of reading. And Sydney, you're looking to move on to the next, the next book, right, as well?
4: Yeah, I started Well of Ascension two days ago. (laughs) Still in part one.
0: Okay, very nice. A lot of people have said Misborn is a great entry into the genre, so we can kind of talk about some of the specific reasons as we get into it a bit more. And I think there are a, a lot of really concrete reasons why the book is so good and something that even entry-level fantasy fans can enjoy.
1: And so I guess Stephen, myself, me being Ryan and Ben, would all consider ourselves a bit more hardcore fantasy fans. And we, we all completed Mistborn for the first time quite a while ago, right? And we reread it all three of us recently. So we've, we've all read Mistborn at least the first book, at least two times. Is that, is that correct
0: for you guys? Yeah. We're huge nerds and have been for a while is what you're saying. I believe
1: (laughs) I I was trying to put it in a, in a way that sounded a bit better, but yeah. Yeah.
2: This is my second time through Mistborn. And it was also my first fantasy book that I really got into. I, in high school, I picked up die of the world and didn't get into it. And Then when I was like a sophomore in college, I read this book and it started my
1: journey throughout fantasy. So, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't consider twilight your first foray into (laughs) fantasy. Ryan, I blame you for that. What you blame me. (laughs) I was not the one who got the other one to read twilight and then dragged (laughs) them to the movie theater to see the first movie on Thanksgiving day. Anyways, back to Mistborn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Twilight is a whole different conversation. So Born, before we do any spoilers, let's do a content warning for the book. This is kind of what we typically do to give you guys some idea of what to expect because books don't really have movie ratings in the same way. So Miss Born's like a PG-13 movie, right? There's a lot of violence, which you typically get from a fantasy book. Some of it's a little brutal, uh, but there's no swearing. There's in-world swearing, which Sanderson likes to do. And there's hardly any sexual content at all, if any. So Mistborn is, I would say, pretty safe to read for teens and up. Yeah, there's some pining
1: for uh, other characters in the book. But yeah, I would agree with that. Just just violence would put it up the PG-13, but pretty much everything else is PG-rated, I'd say.
2: You also have like, I think Vin is scared that she's going to get raped a few times. So you have that kind of playing into it. So just,
0: I guess, be aware of that. Sure, yeah, the ska have been oppressed in a lot of ways. So let's move on to specific spoiler talk. If you haven't read the book yet, this would maybe be the time to do so. So I'm going to kind of talk everyone through the plot. You guys feel free to jump in with observations, hot takes, theories, whatever. We're not going to do spoilers for the next two books either, especially because Sydney and Peyton haven't got there yet. So that would be really messed up us to do that but we might ask them like what they think might happen so those theories are on the table but no specific spoilers so the book starts with Kelsier's point of view this is kind of the prologue Kelsier is this mysterious figure that goes into this ska tenement area and takes down one of these oppressive noblemen type houses and or not the whole house but one of these like outlying almost homesteads plantation plantation sure and this is your first introduction into the world so sanderson really has to kind of string you along and build out the world i think the very first line of the book is ash fell from the sky and from then on you picture this whole world in black and white and gray there's hardly any color at all it's a very vivid not vivid because there's no color but the black and white and gray is very vivid for me at least so i have a great depiction of the world in my mind as I'm reading through based off of the very beginning and then you start to kind of get ideas of like there's magic going on here and there's all these different factions and it's definitely not earth and so this is I think a real good introduction into the fantasy genre as far as world building goes right from the beginning.
4: I think that's something that really kept me interested in it too was that I feel like the details that Brandon Sanderson would put in throughout the whole book really helped me visualize what was happening. Like I could see it as if I was watching a movie and that definitely helped me stay into it. He did a good job of balancing like the action, the different character relationships, and just describing like what things look like.
2: I thought it was interesting. I was watching one of Sanderson's dreams recently and he talked about how the majority of every book you read is just going to be characters sitting around the room talking to each other. And how do you make that interesting? And I felt like he was able to do that super well in this book. He had characters sitting around these ornate parties talking, and he had characters sitting around in these like hideouts planning on completing this heist. So it was like, they were all just sitting around talking, but like you you were able to picture it
0: so well that
2: it it was really
0: engaging throughout all those parts. So on that, I thought some of the talking was more interesting than other talking. I really liked the book, but there were some weaknesses for me. And I think you really see that this is the second book that Brandon Sanderson published. And in future books, just his character development and the way that he kind of flows the narrative around gets a lot better. So there were some times where I was a little bored of the talking, or I kind of struggled to really get into some of the minor characters. But I mean I agree with you. That's that's true of fantasy books. Like you have to make the talking. Interesting, and overall, he does a really good job in this book, but I think he does better in future books.
2: Yeah, I, I would
3: agree with that.
1: But his strengths, I think, still shine through, which is his world building and the plot, and the story that he tells. Those are still Brandon Sanderson through and through.
2: So what, what happens after Kelsier takes out that nobleman and, and that house?
0: Yeah, so we continue to get the world built, and this is a theme throughout the entirety of the narrative Vin is like training getting better with the metals learning more about the magic system it's all being slowly given to you in little pieces which is nice because if he was just to dump this on you all at the beginning it would not be digestible so there's a slower kind of learning curve if you will of the world building and the next thing that happens is we get an intro into vin vin is part of a crew led by this dude named Kamen, and they're planning this heist that doesn't go very well this is your intro to Vin, kind of intro to what's going on in Luthadel and the oppression you see in the Ska, the noble houses, etc. So Kelsier comes in and saves Vin and Vin is now introduced into the rest of the crew and you learn about what they are planning and what's going on here. So it starts very quickly and there's a lot of info being given to you, but I think it, it's done in a really good way where it's all through Vin's eyes. And so you are learning along with her. And that makes it very understandable for the reader because we all kind of connect to Vin as a younger character that has no idea what's going on because the reader, you also don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah. So I guess, Os Payton, in every book, one of the best, most rewarding parts is when the main character realizes that they have like this amazing power. Like, for example, Harry Potter, you have that scene where he's like, I'm a wizard.
1: I can't be a wizard, you know, like,
2: and it just like dawns on him.
0: Yeah. The just Harry scene. You're a
1: Mistborn, Vin. <laughs>
2: yeah, so how how did you, Peyton, think he did revealing that about Vin? And how do you think she reacted?
3: I felt like it was done very well, mainly because if I had these magical powers, kind of understand that, sure, she'd be able to use them to some degree and level without recognizing that, that would, that's what it was. Especially if she grew up this way, this is how she's been her entire life, she wouldn't understand that she's different. It's kind of like the theory of like, I don't know if I see different colors than any everybody else. It's the same thing. She really doesn't know. And so then to realize for her that, oh, wow, like, wait, not everybody can do this. This is just me, which she knew a little bit, but not fully, I think was a very like key point, not only for her, and it, it was done very well by Brandon Sanderson.
2: Yeah, I thought it was cool how she was like able to use her emotional alimancy so well without even knowing that she was doing it. And I thought it was cool that they're able to have that power because like you think about Mistborn and you think about like the pushing and the pulling is the thing that you think about first like with Steel and being able to like fly around and stuff but the other aspects are really cool and it's cool that she was able to use that emotional elements so well from such a young age
0: yeah there's nice little kind of hints into her powers because it makes sense that she would have developed those over the years of just trying to survive totally makes sense
3: yeah and I like what you mentioned like her survival. I really think that if she didn't use a little bit of it when she was younger, her survival would have <laughs> wouldn't have happened, essentially. It's what made her an invaluable person to the crew, even though relatively nothing else about her was valuable.
0: One thing with Vin's revelation of becoming a misborn is there wasn't like a big aha moment, if you will. It was just kind of fairly obvious. And Kelsey was like, you're a misborn, let me start training you and off we go. So I could have seen a little more payoff with that if it was some kind of twist reveal, but there's enough other twist reveals throughout the rest of the book that that's fine. I, I think you can't make everything super surprising and rewarding in that way. It was rewarding in terms of just character and growth from that point.
2: Yeah, I felt like one of my favorite scenes is still when when Kelsier takes Vin out to kind of train her for the first time and he like pushes her off of the wall and she's forced to kind of like try and survive. But like, you know, that Kelsey are like has her back. So that was kind of like the, almost the aha scene where like you start realizing what she can, she starts realizing what she can do. She starts like applying it in her head, all these different ways. So that's still one of my favorite scenes throughout the whole series.
0: Yeah. And that's part of a series of scenes where Vin is getting trained. She slowly kind of learns how to use all the different metals from different members of the crew we learn what the crew's plan is. They have this elaborate plan to start a house war and get the Ska to rebel and have this army. And then Kelsier, it's always nebulous what Kelsier is going to do. He's just going to take out the Lord Ruler with this 11th medal and they all believe him, which you're always kind of wondering as a reader, like, is this just going to work? It doesn't seem like it's going to work because the Lord Ruler is so powerful and we're just going to you know, use this MacGuffin thing to take him down. So that's kind of interesting and it doesn't work out at the end. And there's a nice twist there. So I thought that was really well executed. But the other thing that's going on here is Vin is kind of starting to grow as a character. She's learning to actually trust people. She has a really hard time with this, obviously. And she has a especially strong bond with Seizid, who is kind of her wise wizard type figure. I mean, him and Kelsier combined do a really good job of training her and kind of bringing out her character And this book is really all about Vin's character from beginning to end, where where she ends up, and how she grows. So I think this beginning part is really important because we see her not want to trust all these people, even though they all seem like really pretty solid, altruistic folks that she's never before met. She doesn't believe people like this exist out in the world. That was actually something
1: that Sydney kept mentioning to me when we were listening to the book is how much she enjoyed the interactions between... Vin and Sazed.
4: Yeah, I would say that was one of my favorite parts. I feel like I just really liked their like friendship, their relationship, how he was a mentor figure to her, but he had a good sense of humor and they seemed to get along really well. I could just picture them almost like a not quite a brother sister relationship, but just a really fun friendship.
2: So Sid, so do you think so you obviously tried Way of Kings and Lycanius before this, couldn't get into them. Do you think the fact that the book followed such like a strong female, like young girl protagonist was was that one of the reasons why you enjoyed this book?
4: I definitely think that was a huge part of it, was I feel like I was able to relate to her and just I was more interested in her storyline. And I also feel like Brandon Sanderson did a good job of not having like the whole entire book be fight scenes. Like those were great, but I didn't really listen to every detail of them. I liked more of the relationship building with her and the other crew members, as well as just like the parties that they were going to, the conversations they had there. I feel like those really um, captivated me.
1: So one of the criticisms of male authors often is their portrayal of female characters. So I'm curious to hear uh, Sidney and Peyton's opinion on how they feel like Vin was portrayed.
4: Um, I feel like she was portrayed really well. I don't really have a lot of fantasy to compare it to, but I felt like she was very relatable. Not like completely towards me. I'm definitely not in any, not her position at all. Don't You are not a Mistborn biting off yeah, people. But I do feel like her. I liked hearing her thought process. And she had a sense of vulnerability just being small and like in a feminine shape, like body. But she was also very strong and very thoughtful in every move that she made. And I really enjoyed that.
3: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think one of my favorite parts was that she was this very strong woman in this very small and timid personality and body. I feel like it was such a like stark contrast that I really enjoyed it, seeing her and seeing her growth. Because when at the beginning of the book, when we first start, she fits that very small, timid body. She's a very small person. She likes to hide in the shadows and make herself small. And as she's growing, as she's learning, she starts... Becoming this bigger person without even like outwardly expressing it, which makes me almost love her even more just because she is lovable. She becomes lovable just by the fact of like, oh, I like I want you to know how awesome you are because you're so humble and timid about it.
4: I feel like there's like so much you could dive into just her character being a woman. I feel like a lot of women can relate to that of kind of society telling them to be more shy, more timid, not showing all their talents, but I feel like Vin does a good job of kind of pushing through the cultural barriers and just using what she has. And like I said, you can dive really deep into that, of what that could mean for like us today and
0: stuff. I like the parts where she is putting on the Valette persona. And at the beginning, she doesn't know how to do it. And she's really, like you say, shy and uncertain. But then by the end, she kind of like sees herself as that person, as that strong person, As that member of the society, she sees the nobleman is really no better than the scar, no better than herself. And you can tell that she's like set up to become a leader going forward in some capacity, although we are not going to talk the rest of the series yet.
3: I liked seeing her as Gillette because it was something that I feel like all of us can relate to, to some degree. I don't know, when I started college, it was one of those things where it's like, oh man, I see all these other people doing it. I haven't done it, though. I'm uneasy. I'm walking around. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know exactly how to fit in. I kind of been told what to do. And then slowly you get in the groove where by the end, you're like, okay, wow, like, I'm a college student. And I feel like that happens to everybody with everything almost that you go through in life, starting a new job, going on an airplane for the first time, all these big moments. And he portrayed that perfectly for me.
0: So yeah, the fact that Vin is our protagonist is a huge part of this book, something that definitely needs to be talked about. So I'm glad we had that conversation. If you're on YouTube, you can see the nice mural behind me that Fantology has commissioned by Mark Wells. And one of the things that we talked about in making this depiction of different fantasy characters was we were trying to come up with solid female protagonists that we could put into this picture. And we struggled to come up with enough of them so Vin w- is in there and she's a standout and I think we need more of these types of characters in fantasy books going forward
3: yeah I would definitely agree with that
0: we kind of talked about a lot of the different elements of the plot here I'm gonna kind of pick up the pieces here So the main thing I guess that the next impetus for jumping into the next part of the plot Vin goes to a ball she kind of starts to learn about herself a little bit she meets the he's kind of this weird bookish, character that seems significant and then vin and kelsey are going on this raid to the palace called cretic shah they're investigating the secret chamber that exists somewhere and it's disastrous because the inquisitors are waiting for them there but vin is able to escape despite getting a pretty bad wound and we're actually kind of not sure if she's going to survive or not although of course she is because she's the protagonist and it's early in the book or she also finds this book this mysterious book that is going to be very important. We don't know what it is quite yet, but Sazed is going to start translating it. And Vin is now laid up. She's in a convalescence period for a few weeks. And during that time, she learns more about Sazed, about Tarisman, who can do this different form of magic than Alamencey called Frukimi. And then she goes to another ball. She meets with Shan Alarial, who is Alen's old fiance. We get this idea that Alen is more than meets the eye because he's reading these contraband books. And then there's this scene where there's the Ska beggar who is just killed offhandedly in the shadows. And so another theme of this book is this, this conflict between the nobleman and the Ska and the crew who are all Ska themselves. But Vin is like learning about Elend and the other noblemen. And like some of them seem like they're all right. So this is kind of interesting, like all the different culture clashes and the culture that the Lord Ruler has built up throughout his empire.
2: Yeah, I would say that's probably one of the best parts of this book is that it doesn't shy away from tackling like really complex social issues that have very direct like, parallels to to our world. So that's one thing I appreciate about Brandon Sanderson. He does it really well. And he's also not shy about admitting when he might make mistakes or which I don't think there's that many in this book. So I appreciate that. I, I also thought it was crazy that like, I always call him Ellend. Is it Elend?
0: Ellend. Did I say Elend? Eh, close enough.
2: So I thought it was crazy when um, when Ellend was like, Vin, do you know Skaha? Like, are they as smart as you and me? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. it just shows you that you can like grow up with like these views. Even if you're like sincerely trying to figure it out, if you've never met Skaha, how are you supposed, you, you just have to believe what other people tell you about them, right?
0: Yeah, big time unconscious bias happening here, right?
2: Yeah. And then the fact that like you're smiling as a reader because you're like Vinzeska, you know, and and she's infiltrating your your noble hierarchy. And it was cool that Ellen was like so humble that he was able to
0: see that as a really cool thing and not be like intimidated by that. Ben, I think you made a post on our Discord not too long ago about the value you see in fantasy books and the fact that there are some really good, solid messages about society, etc., contained in them and so yeah i like your comment there because certainly brandon sanderson has some layers to this onion it's not just this fun fantasy story like there are some solid things that are going on behind the scenes and also shout out to our discord if you like fantology check out our discord and chat with us
2: yeah so since we're talking about ellen right now did you guys think that that relationship was cheesy was it just the right amount of cheese was it i see steven shaking his head so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for Sid, Sid's opinion first here, though.
4: I loved it. <laughs> I also <laughs> really like Chick Flicks. So that was a huge pull for me. I like really liked their relationship and the possibility of there being a romance. Um, obviously, I feel like a majority of that is in the second and third books, which is definitely keeping me into listening to those. But yeah, I really liked it. I didn't think it was cheesy. I mean, you kind of know where it's going, but you kind of know that about Chick Flicks, too.
1: Ben, this this was actually my my worst of the best.
0: Oh no, <laughs> I think you might be pulling Stevens from out from near him too. I have a different one, but this is a similar thing for me. Go ahead, Ryan.
1: I just thought that it was um, the part where Vin says inside her head, like I, I think she was like doing something because she loved him, and it was like she admits it to herself that she loves Ellen and. I was just kind of I I didn't feel like they had interacted enough and developed their relationship to the point where they could know that they had loved each other maybe maybe it's a representation of the fact that they're both still relatively young and they don't quite know what love is maybe that's obviously they they do develop their their relationship blossoms but I thought that it was a bit premature On her part to think that she was in love with him.
3: But
4: she's also young. I feel like it's like her very first like little crush. She doesn't really know if it's love, but this is the very first time she's felt that. So she's like, I must, I must love him. And you never hear that from Ellen. I think he's a little bit more mature with his feelings. He kind of plays hard to get a little bit. But I feel like Vin is just so young and just like, likes him has a crush on him. And so just like goes all in.
0: Well, Len for sure commits to her.
2: Yeah, Ellen is willing to top ball his whole entire like Hierarchy of you know his whole house for her. Okay, let's hear your Okay,
3: one hundred percent, it's young love. Coming <laughs> from a nineteen-year-old girl, that is the <laughs> definition of young love, right there. It's you know you interact with someone a couple times and you're like, oh my gosh, we have all these things in common and you care about me somewhat decently and bam, it's <laughs> Like I feel like it's exactly what Sid said. It's just her first encounter with love. It's the first time she's recognizing, realizing like, oh, dang, this is what love could be. And I think she'll, will grow to learn more what that means in future books, which haven't gotten there yet.
4: <laughs> and I feel like it's also just from the girl's perspective. I think any girl listening to this podcast can relate to, going on one date with a guy going back with your girlfriend's like i'm totally in love like you don't really know him (laughs) but you just kind of fall head over heels i feel like that's very relatable for like a girl's thought process sometimes not all the time
1: vin is very different (laughs) from uh, a modern day girl though especially with her upbringing i don't know
2: well that was also kind of kelsey's response right like oh vin like what do you know about love like he's a nobleman he's just gonna betray you or whatever so I I thought that you had that balance that Vin was encountering, and she was able to kind of like push past that. And by the end, Kelsier was begrudgingly saving saving Ellen's life. So that was pretty cool to kind of see
0: see that whole thing kind of pan out that way. I'm gonna say Vin is like 16 and Ellen is 21. I I know Ellen says exactly how old he is, and I think if you can look in Coppermine and find this out exactly, but I'm pretty sure there's a five-year age difference. They're both fairly young. So yeah, I'll, I'll agree with the young love thing.
3: 21. I remember Confirmed. it. Confirmed.
0: Okay. Rad. So my thing with the I, I agree with that. Sure, it's it's young love and and that all makes sense. The thing that I didn't like was at the end when Ellen comes and saves her, well, kind of saves her. Like he shows up, but like she doesn't really need to be <laughs> saved by him at that point. So yeah. she's like totally into it, right? She's she's saying, Oh my gosh, you came back for me. No one's ever came back to me. Yes, they have. Sazed has literally saved your life two times <laughs> and actually done stuff for you, and you're here freaking out about Ellen coming back in with like a handful of guards. I mean, yeah, it's a nice gesture for him. Like, sure, it shows some commitment to her, but I feel like maybe she's just dissing on Sazed and not giving him the credit he deserves. And I get it; there's like a difference in romantic feelings, but this bugged me because Sazed is awesome and saves your life twice, and he gets no recognition.
3: I feel like I have a minimal of an answer to this. I think she thinks that Caesar is saving her because Kelsier
0: told him to.
3: Like it was almost Well, that's true. I
4: mean it's kind of his servant duties. Whereas Yeah,
0: but they have a real friendship, right?
4: Yeah, but it's like he has to. Like I think she's surprised by Ellen because like he chose to do that. He did not need to.
2: Well, I think it was also that Kelsier was telling Vin that Ellen was gonna abandon her the whole time.
1: No, no, no. Reen. Reen was telling Vin. Well,
2: Reen, but also Kelsier was like, he's nobleman. He's just going to-
1: Oh, I he see. doesn't
2: care about you. So Vin was having people that she really respected tell her that Ellen didn't care about her, and then he did. So there's kind of a difference there.
4: I know. I'm very biased because I really like their relationship, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be all in for
1: it. <laughs> I like their relationship, too. I just thought that they were a bit premature in
0: parts.
3: He also did come back though after saying after he like left, right?
2: Yeah, so she might yeah. have thought that he was gonna abandon her. She might. She yeah, might that's true.
0: That. He had given her the cold shoulder. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and the whole Venture House was leaving.
1: Bottom line though is, Sazed is the hero we need, not the hero we
0: deserve. <laughs> yeah, he gets no. Cr- uh, that bugged me. Anyway, to answer your question, Sid, Sazed is a terraceman keeper. He's also a eunuch. And he can do for a community. So he's like this totally different class of person, but they're still men, you know, and this is important for the whole thing with the Lord ruler at the end. So let's skip some scenes here. The next kind of big thing that happens is after the house wars progressed a bit, the army that had been training under Hammond out in the caves gets wiped out by a foolhardy foolhardy attack because they think they're a little more invincible than they are because Kelsier had come in and demonstrated some of his power. And Kelsier and Vin tried to get there in time because they hear about that, that this is happening, but they are unable to do anything. The army's wiped out except for a couple thousand that have a little more sense. So this is another theme of the book as Kelsier kind of plays almost the Kaladin type here where he wants to save everyone, but he's not able to. And this is a great example. And it's going to lead into the climax as well.
2: Yeah, I thought it was it was interesting because Vin basically had to talk Kelsier down from sacrificing himself at this moment, right? Cuz he was just going to like join the battle when it was like clear that there was no chance of him doing anything. So it was kind of foreshadowing, right? And it was also cool cuz they did the oh, they they burned, oh what did they burn? They they like pushed themselves to the limit, right?
0: Peter, they did they had a Peter burn to get over there, yeah.
1: Pewter drag is the technical
0: term. Peter drag after, yeah. It was
2: kind of like this new application that you hadn't seen before, so I appreciated that. So yeah, I, I, was, I was a fan of this. It kind of also got you out of
1: Luthadel, which I thought we needed to be out of Luthadel for a little bit. It was kind of a nice twist, just in the sense that up until this point, it seemed like pretty much everything that the crew was doing was working out for them. Everything was going according to plan, and... Suddenly, this huge wrench is thrown into their plan, and they need to adapt and change. So it's 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 good because not everything goes the way you don't want everything to go the way of the protagonist. Otherwise, it'd be a fairly boring story.
0: Yeah, we go through the trifail cycle here a little bit, and then a couple other bad things happen because Marsh Kelsey's brother is killed, or so we think at the time. He's trying to get into the Inquisition. They go to check on him. And they come across this horrible scene of massacre where there's just body parts everywhere. And then like multiple people have been ripped apart. And the idea is that Marsh has been killed and we've lost him. So this is way bad because this also means that the crew is probably compromised. And so everyone's got to pull back. And at this point, everyone except Kelsey is thinking, we tried, we failed, you know, good run. We really showed the Ska that they were something after all but we're going to pack our bags and move on to the next job. Except for Kelsier, who has kind of this weird sense of optimism when everything else seems to be going wrong. It gets you this idea that he had another plan, that that he had another secret, as he likes to say. And so this is really towards the climax, and you start to get a sense of like, okay, something's going on here. Not exactly sure what. And so were you guys really drawn in here? I know I was.
2: So funny story. Peyton actually texted me, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and she texted me, he died, two exclamation marks, like a question mark, and I almost spoiled the book for her, because she was talking about Marsh, but Marsh is not the death that you think about when you think about this
0: book. Oh yeah, for sure not.
2: I almost said, yeah, it's crazy that Kelsier died,
0: huh? And then luckily I stopped myself. Yeah, get those spoiler tags in there for that that type of stuff.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think for me this is a very big shock in the sense that we hadn't really heard from Marsh in a while so in my eyes it was like oh, okay he's he's gone doing something else like he must be doing good if we're not hearing from him to a certain degree and then to just walk into this room and see that he's clearly gone dead I assumed you know was just so shocking for me because thus far we hadn't really lost someone that I cared about so deeply that I was like wait you're Kelsey's brother like he has no family left. <laughs> Help him.
4: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there's multiple sad parts in the book, but I feel like this was the first, like, big one. Um, I, like, You already feel so bad for Kelsier because he talks to Vin so much about his wife and how he's doing so much of this for his wife to be reunited with her. And you feel sympathy for him, and then this happens, and you just, like, your heart kind of breaks for him. You're like, ah, like, this is the only person that he had left.
0: And as a result, now he is mad. Kelsier is going to take things into his own hands. He goes back to the pits of Hathson, and destroys them using alamancy, which kind of makes you think like why didn't he do this sooner it wasn't all that much of an effort for him to do it and it would have been a really strong attack on the lord ruler so unclear as to why that wasn't something that he thought to do sooner and why he just did it now in this fit of rage but nevertheless it's done and then as a result the lord ruler retaliates by capturing some of our guys including spook and Lord Renu, who we know is a Chondra in disguise, but we don't know it yet. And so they're about to be killed. And this is probably the first climax. This is the beginning of the end here. Sanderson likes to really string together a lot of action towards the end. And this is where it starts.
1: I actually have a question about this part. So is, is this really a, retali- a retaliatory act by the Lord Ruler? Because we learn later that night when Straff ventures talking to Elend, he says something along the lines of when the Lord Ruler finds out what what happened at the pits of Hath-Sin, we're going to be screwed. So is it really a retaliatory act or did they just happen to catch them and they're just executing? The, or they more of
0: set this as an ambush for Kelsier, right? That's probably true, Ryan. Thanks for correcting me there. I think initially they think that's what's happened, but you're right. Yeah. There hasn't been enough time yet for that news to have reached them. So maybe they just happened to catch Spook and Lord Renew and some of the other household people, and they were going to execute them because they caught them. Yeah. but
4: And they wanted Kelsier.
0: Yeah, they wanted Kelsier.
1: But I love this part because of the showdown between Kelsier and the Inquisitor. It's just so awesome and epic. I know that Sydney. Isn't a huge fan of the action.
4: I know these are the parts that I skip through, so I'm glad there's a good balance.
1: Sydney's <laughs> like, like,
4: okay, okay. There's
1: no relationship building going on here. <laughs> just an inquisitor with iron spikes in his eyes, swinging around obsidian axes. <laughs> I'll just go back
0: to my Instagram feed. Like, let's go back to the ball, please. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> really? So yeah, like you said, Ryan, they have the big showdown with the inquisitor. Kelsier is victorious. And we're all cheering as readers because previously we have not been able to take down any of these Inquisitors. They seem supernaturally powerful past the limits of Alamancy that we know about. So Kelsier does it. But it is short-lived because then he has the big showdown with the Lord Ruler, which is really anticlimactic because Kelsier doesn't even do anything. Or so we think at that point as, as an onlooker, we just see him die. He literally gets slapped and dies. So the Lord Ruler gets rushed by a couple dudes and gets pierced through with some spears, doesn't react at all. And we're like, oh, snap, this dude, we do not want to mess with him. Kelsier does not back away. He gets backhanded. His face gets pretty much torn away, and then he gets speared through the heart and finished off. And it seems like this is like the end of the rebellion, right? It's going to die with Kelsier. Um, This was a
1: fun part to listen to the second time because I knew what was going to happen. But Sydney did not. And she gasped out loud. And she she was just so shocked that a character as central to the plot as Kelsier could die. She was just totally shocked.
4: Yeah, I completely paused it on a road trip and wasn't going to finish it. I was so upset.
1: She said she hated
0: the book at that point.
4: <laughs> I was like, this is the worst book ever. How could they do that?
0: So this and part at, just wrecked you.
4: Ellen had just told Finn that like he didn't want to talk to her anymore. So I was like, this book isn't going anywhere. This is the worst.
3: I will say right before Kelsier died, I had to pause the book and go do what I was doing in my real life. And I just had like pent up anxiety. Like I was just anxious. I wanted to know what was going to happen. I like almost, I feel like to some degree, I knew what was going to come. Sense that when Kelsier died, I was I did not have as big of a reaction as when Marsh died, which is counteractive, anyways. Not the point, I think it was just I was almost expecting it to some degree.
0: And I think you can because throughout the book, they had this plan of Kelsier was going to take on the Lord Ruler with the 11th medal, and he'd been pressed for details a few times and never said anything. So, as a reader, you're thinking, like, this dude does not know what he's doing here, it seems like it's not going to go well, and it doesn't.
4: So you put the book down and you stop like husband tells you to keep going
0: <laughs> or you keep on going because the real plan is shortly revealed afterwards. And actually before that happens, let's talk some moments. that I know Ben really likes. There are two really good solid emotional moments that happen here after Kelsey's death. The first one is when Vin and says it, have this conversation about what it means to have faith in things because Vin is like, Kelsey has abandoned us. He never knew what he was doing, and he said he wouldn't die, and he died. And so this is really bad for, for Vin, because it seems like she's going to take a huge step backwards. And says it talks her about what it means to have faith in things, and having faith in things that fail, etc. I think that was a really strong moment. And then also when she gets the note from Kelsier, once his role plan has kind of been revealed, where at the end he says something about how he's going to tell Mare, his wife, about Vin, because they always wanted a daughter. You know, feels, right?
2: I cried during that part the second time I listened to it. I can't remember how I cried the first time, but the second time I, that might have been because I was like on a super hard bike ride. And so (laughs) it was tough to hear that. Like you're the daughter I always wanted. Like, oh my goodness, come on.
0: So is this messy crying, like tears flowing, really bad sob or just a single tear? Okay. It was a single tear. Yeah.
1: Do you think it's very because you're a father now, whereas you weren't the first time you were in it?
2: It could have, it could be that. I don't know. It was just, like, such a tender thing to say. And it kind of unlike Kelsier, right? Like, Kelsier is not a very, like, feely guy a lot of the time. Like, he always tries to be, like, optimistic and, like, lift people up. But he doesn't get, like, deep and personal with people. He always kind of keeps that part of himself away.
4: I feel like that's my favorite part of Kelsier's I feel he has a few of those moments when he's talking to Vin... He doesn't ever reveal that to the crew members but you can tell that he just has this like father daughter relationship with her and i feel like it's really tender and then it's kind of like the climax of that is right there during that letter
0: so the real plan is revealed the ska rebellion starts because fake kelsier Chandra seer as i like to call him is revealed and he appears to some of the ska this is the Chandra who is always impersonating lord renew and at this point in the book, you're like, what the heck is this Condra thing we've seen mistrace, but the Condra has ingested Kelsier's bones and can appear in his persona. And so the, the Ska rally, and there's all these weapons catches that we find throughout the city that Kelsier has prepared, then gets the 11th medal. And she thinks that maybe she has a plan to take down the Lord Ruler. So that starts. So the, the rebellion is happening. There's some fighting breaking out in the street. And Vin is going to go take on the Lord Ruler and figure out his secret. And she tries to and ethically fails again because she's captured again. And she she actually busts into the secret place that we that they've been trying to get into the whole time inside the palace. And she sees the Lord Ruler as an old man. And so we're starting to get some clues as to what's going on here. We're not sure yet. But Vin is captured. And then this is the part where Sazed comes in and saves her. And Ellen comes in and kind of saves her like he helps out a bit. And then this is a fun moment where Vin shows off like her true misborn form, and Ellen's like, "Okay, this woman that I'm dating here is good kick my butt anytime any time she chooses."
2: <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. So, okay, one thing you might have an answer for this, Ryan or steven or Peyton or said, why couldn't the chondra have been the one to die w- looking
1: like Kelsier? Because the Condra has, has to take his bones. Oh, the- they answer that in the book, Ben.
2: Come on. <laughs> so that's, that's good. I was asking on behalf of the audience that is listening.
1: It's, it's probably also maybe part of the contract that you can't, you can't command. Well, actually, sorry, I, I shouldn't go into any of that right now.
2: So moving past that, I really loved when Vin goes in with like all these crazy, like misborn talents and totally like beast two inquisitors, like, she like throws a bunch of metal sand in their face and blinds them. That was sweet. And then she like has the arrowheads that have like the metal on them, but then like the obsidian part keeps going or something. Like,
1: yeah. She pulls off the metal and the arrow keeps going. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like all these awesome things that like, you're like, why didn't I think about that? I've been thinking about what I would do if I was a misborn the whole book. Like,
0: yeah. So. You're not Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> but they seem so obvious, you know?
1: Yeah, that part was that part was really cool that that scene the the ingenuity by Vin, I guess, at that part and then but it's
0: all for naught because she just gets grabbed from behind. So she gets captured the first time and then Elinden says it come in, help out, and then now she thinks she has another plan. Now that she's seen the possible past self of the Lord ruler. She thinks that she knows what to do. She thinks she's going to try to kill the ghost. The metal she's burning is called Maletium, By the way, it's a, it's an alloy of gold. And she kind of like figures out some of the Allomantic theory while she's in the cell. But this plan doesn't work either because she tries to kill the ghost and nothing happens because that's not quite what she thinks it is. And again, it looks like she's captured and things are going badly, but then Marsh comes back. I know Peyton was probably happy about this marsh saves her she he pulls out one of the spikes from the back of the inquisitors which is still kind of nebulous to us like what is going on with the inquisitors how does this work and so then marsh thinks he has a plan to kill the lord ruler but that doesn't work either because the lord ruler has no spike and so once again it seems like the lord ruler has won like how many times are we going to come up with plans and fail and then finally then has the winning hand but before we go there Reactions from you guys on all of these attempts? I loved
1: Sydney's reaction to it.
4: I mean all the fighting stuff I was like just kind of sped through. But finding out that Inquisitor was Marsh, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, he's alive. And then I immediately wanted Kelsier to be alive, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> The twist though is so cool how in fact, like you you just think that the Inquisitors were interested in Marsh because they thought he was a spy, but it was in fact they wanted to recruit him. And they, they did recruit him to their numbers. And I remember reading it the first time and it was just so shocking. Just It's one of those twists that you just wonder how people can be so creative that they can plan these things to just fit so well together and to make so much sense. The aha moments. The, those are the moments that I love reading fantasy for.
2: So this is another... I'm wondering if this is a plot hole, and obviously my other supposed plot hole was addressed head-on, and I didn't realize it. Okay, let's hear <laughs> it. Because the whole reason why they thought that Spook and um, the Condra guy had been captured was because Marsh had revealed their plan, or they, the Inquisitors had found out that where they were hiding and stuff, but that obviously didn't happen. So how did how did they catch the crew, right? And how what, how were they able to do that? Unless Marsh did give them up because he was an inquisitor and he kind of was compelled to do that, was there the answer for that i don't
1: I don't think they explicitly state how they were captured just that they that they were captured i mean it, it was they were just trying to flee via canal or something like that, and
0: <laughs> yeah, they're living on the edge. I guess that's the explanation, okay, so it just happened to be right after marsh was
1: captured. yeah it wasn't it wasn't anything related to marsh
2: okay. So yeah what, what did you think Payton being a marsh fan fan? what did you think when he came back alive
3: um honestly i was I was very excited to see Marsh, and I thought it was such a cool way to bring him back because he became this like inside man that knew how to help the crew in ways that us, the readers then the crew nobody knew about, which for me was just what made the book all the better.
2: yeah, I thought it was crazy how. The Lord Ruler didn't even see it coming. He was like, "What? One of my own? You know what I mean?" Like it was this huge mm-hmm. blind spot, and it was crazy because it was right when like the Inquisitors had succeeded in becoming the
0: the leaders, or like they had usurped the.
2: Oh, um, uh, what are the other people called?
0: Yeah, they're now in charge of the Canton of Inquisition after the whole thing with Vin's father. I guess we didn't even talk about Vin's father. Kind of a minor detail. But but so,
2: so suddenly now Marsh is like the sole ruler because he was like the last one standing
0: in a sense. That's pretty crazy. There are other inquisitors left. They're outside of the outside yeah. of Luthadel. The word you're trying to come up with is obligators. By the way, uh, there you was go. the other group of of humans that were part of the government. So the final twist, and I like how Sanderson does this. He says that he likes his twist to be surprising yet inevitable. So we've built up this character of the Lord Ruler. Throughout the book, with these little glimpses into the logbook that we think the whole time is written by him, but it's not. The Lord Ruler was, in fact, the jealous terraceman who killed the guy who was supposed to be the hero back in the day. And Rashik is the name of the Lord Ruler, has the dual powers of Furukimi and Alamancy. It's a little complicated, but it makes sense if you get into it. And essentially, what he was able to do was survive for so long by using both powers together then realizes this after many different hints into both magic systems. And she pulls off the bracelets where he's basically storing his youthfulness and flings them out into the mist. And she is able to harness the mist in kind of a mysterious way that we don't understand yet. And strike down the Lord ruler, the Lord ruler without his bracelets becomes this old man and slowly dies. And then Vin finally kills him by slamming a spear through his chest Before he dies, he utters kind of these ominous words like, you don't know what you're doing. I've been saving you, protecting you the entire time. You fools. And so this is setting up for future books. But I like how it's also kind of contained in one book where we've defeated the big bad. And it looks like things are going to go well for the characters after this.
1: Typical Sanderson, um, making the magic systems so well that he can explain eternal youth with a combination of two of his magic systems. That part was awesome as well. And the twist with Rashik, it, the ending is just so good. Uh, there, there's so many thing, good things I can say about the, the ending.
4: Two points that I had, I really liked Vin's curiosity through the whole book helped her over, or helped her kill him because she'd been talking to Sazed so many times. So she kind of knew that magic system or else she never would have known what to do before I started. I told Ryan that I wasn't going to like this book if it ended in like a huge cliffhanger where you just like had to read the second. I wanted the option to like be totally happy with the first book and like end it there. I didn't love fantasy. And so I really liked how I did that. It kept me going in the second book where I am going to start reading it. But ultimately, I could have stopped there and been totally happy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big draw of Mistborn. And and when I've recommended it to people, that's what I've said exactly. If you only like the first one, you can stop because you've got a full story.
3: Yeah, I'd also argue that's definitely a very strong point of Miss Born and the fact that it is such a good standalone book. And making it a standalone book almost draws me in more to wanting to read the next books because I'm like, man, like everything went well. Like I wanna know more. Like, tell me more about what went well. (laughs) And like I feel like that's always what I miss about movies is that the last minutes are like, okay everyone's good and then it ends and i'm like no, oh, i want to see their life like give me a five years down the road
1: well then then the second book starts and you're like oh maybe things didn't go as well as i thought they did
0: <laughs> uh-huh. so here's a few unresolved things peyton sydney let me know if you guys have any theories on these topics so what are the myths vin was able to use the myths in some way there's obviously something going on there what's going on with the inquisitors how do they work what is this deepness thing that the Lord Ruler took care of back in the day? What did he mean in these last kind of cryptic words? And then what's going on with the Condra? What is this whole race? Like any of these hot button topics after you finish the book, any theories or, or thoughts or like anything you're really drawn to that you really want to understand?
3: Honestly, I honestly want to know more about the Chondra. I feel like they're so mysterious. And especially in the fact that they speak like nothing about themselves. And I almost want to say that they're just, like, really good, like, with their contracts. They know their contract, and they only fulfill that. But every single time they talk about themselves, I'm just like, there's something more going on, and I just want to know what it is.
4: I like I don't have a lot of input on those specific questions. I do want to know more about Vin Ellen, obviously.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, <Yeah>. okay.
4: <laughs> I also want to know more about Cesar, because he's one of my favorite characters, so he goes back is that already in this book still
0: he says he's going to he's gonna oh, head yeah, back right. to his people he
4: leaves and i really want to know what he's gonna do because he's going back to the other keepers i'm assuming and sharing that knowledge
0: it's
2: also cool because he says that he's starting to record like the legend of the survivor as if it's a, a religion so that was pretty yeah, pretty cool. yeah.
4: i just love everything about saves it it reminded me a lot of like you guys all read, like, The Giver in high school?
0: Oh, gosh.
4: It just, like, reminded me a lot of that, just, like, keeping all these memories and just, like, such a cool character.
0: Nice deep cut. Okay, so Seizid also kind of wraps things up at the end where they he summarizes what happened, in case you didn't quite understand what was going on with the Lord Ruler. They have some speculation with him and Marsh. Marsh is living a pretty sad life, it turns out. like He's now stuck as an Inquisitor. I feel bad for, for Marsh, just kind of a side thing. And then Elend is becoming somewhat of a leader and you also get some to Sydney's satisfaction, some closure or some moving forward, some progression of their romance as Vin chooses to basically, you know, they, they become official maybe we'll say towards the end. And then that's the book. That's, that's a wrap for the book. Should we wrap
2: it up with some worst of the best here?
0: Yes. We already heard Ryan's. So Ryan, thank you for yours. Yours was the romance and we, we killed that one already so Ben since you're so eager let's hear yours
2: okay so mine was the crew it's the best because obviously you love like every member of the crew like Spook and Hammond and Dox and like all these people are awesome the worst part about it for me was the fact that they didn't really do too much their plans failed it was really just Kelsey and Vin that ended up saving the day and it really felt like they were just kind of Put in there to progress the next two books, right? Kelsey even says it. I gathered you together so that you could lead the new kingdom, right? But I wish that they would have done a bit more of this book and that they were a bit more competent in this book. It felt like the only thing they did was taught Vin how to use elements.
0: This is also one of my criticisms of the book. I feel like some of the minor characters are not as strong in this, one of Sanderson's earlier works. And honestly, a lot of them are kind of interchangeable. Like, I know Vin gets time with each of them kind of one-on-one where they teach her alomancy and they're developed as characters a little. But, like, 10 years down the road, are you going to be able to know the difference between Ham and Clubs and Breeze and Dachshund? Like, probably not, but you're going to remember Vin and Kelsier. So, yeah, they they weren't super well fleshed out. I agree with that one.
2: And this is a bit of trivia, but Sanderson recently said that Ham and Dachshund were going to be, or are females in the in the screenplay that he's working on.
1: Well, I thought he said I thought he said if he could go back in time he would have written them. As well, he did say
2: women. that. He, then he said he's writing them in the screenplay as women.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The screenplay that doesn't look like it has a whole lot of traction right now, but when it does, Sanderson is ready. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. like
4: <laughs> That kind of leads into mine. One of my things is I really liked relating to Vin and I liked the relationship she had with Kelsier with Ellen, with Seizid, but I feel like there wasn't, like, another female character for her to interact with, have a relationship, no, like, sister relationship, no motherly relationship. Obviously, she's had some trauma with her mother in the past, but I just wish there was some other female, like, strong female character for her to interact with. The only one we see is Shan, and she's kind of a villain, so not super strong. That was just my one thing, but obviously, I love the relationship she has with the guys, so not a huge one.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because we also saw Mraise, right? That's her name?
0: Kelsier's wife? Mare. Or Mare, yeah. Mraise. Different part of the Cosmere.
2: <laughs> she would have been, I feel like, somebody that that Vin would have looked up to. And Vin actually ends up redeeming her kind of by letting Kelsier know that she didn't betray them. So I also thought that there was like an implied would have been relationship there. It's kind of one of those fan questions like, what happens if if they would have met, you know?
4: Totally. She has this like huge interest in Mare. She's always asking Kelsey about her. You can tell she has like a yearning to have like that motherly figure. And I don't know if this is going to happen in the next two to five books, but it'd be cool if you saw like an afterlife of them meeting. But obviously that probably doesn't happen. <laughs> would be cool though.
0: <laughs> you never know. There's always another secret.
3: <laughs> I would also say that leads into my wish to the best. So perfectly. My, mine is I loved Kelsier's relationship with Mare. I know we heard like very minimally about it, but I really liked it. And I almost wished throughout the entire book that there would be this like twist that somehow Vin was their daughter. I was hoping for that the entire time, just in the sense of Vin already had almost everything go wrong in her life. Thus far, her brother is terrible to her. Her mother, tried to kill her and i was just hoping this entire time that somehow he was going to make it to where they were her real parents and it would have it also explained why she was such a strong alomancer and all these other things that i felt like could have been done so well and completed this like family view for Kelsier of like wow i have this daughter i have a wife and like i'm going to die like when he died he could have been like decently happy and knowing that he had someone to like live on that was his
1: in other words, if if Mistborn was a Disney movie. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Disney movies the parents always die. So it sounds like this is Peyton loves this book so much that she's already started writing fanfiction about it.
1: <laughs> I'll expect the first draft on my desk tomorrow, Peyton. <laughs> Will do. Be done. Consider it done.
0: <laughs> Alright, let me close off with mine. I have like one and a half. My f- quick one is I didn't like how all the army fights were off screen. I know Sydney's going to disagree with me because she's had enough fighting, but all of the large scale fighting was completely off screen. You had like no idea what was really happening. I thought that kind of lowered the stakes when you're just hearing about the house wars and the Scott rebellion was like, oh yeah, they're taking down this keep and such. It's like, okay, I guess that's happening, but you don't really get a sense of that the entire empire is in a revolution. So that was one. And then my other one was this is going to be controversial, and I'm not really sure how I feel about it to be honest. But I'm throwing it out there. My other one was the Lord Ruler and just the Revelation the whole the whole way that how, how that worked because I felt like I wanted more Terrace Man beforehand to get a better idea of how things worked because I didn't like how Cezzid had to explain after the fact, and I feel like maybe some readers didn't quite understand how all of the magic was working together. Like it was almost like he was biting off sanderson was biting off too much and he was expecting you to understand it all and i don't know if every reader would have picked up on how that worked so i really liked the twist but at the same time i was like man this is real ambitious so i could see maybe a universe where it's done a little more in depth i don't know i'm not sure how i feel about that
1: so you wish it was demonstrated rather than being so complicated that Sazed had to explain it
0: yeah like i wish there was more Terrace man interaction so you had a better idea of how like storing youth really works like it's pretty nebulous and you get more of an idea of how the magic system works in the next books but in this book you're just kind of told how it works
2: well you do see saizad go through extreme physical changes right before that right
0: right but i feel like maybe it's just kind of like slapped in there right before in order to say okay now you understand. So I'm going to do the big reveal. Now that you understand, but maybe we needed to understand a bit more throughout. I mean, you you do get hints. So like I said, this is not a real strong one for me. I just feel like maybe it could have been a little bit better, but it was really good. Like it was the best part of the book for me. But maybe it could have been a little better.
4: Yeah, I can't decide if I agree. I'm definitely probably one of those readers that doesn't understand all of it, but I did really like when it was explaining it all. I was like, oh my gosh, like that is crazy. Like I really liked how he pulled it all together. But yeah, I could probably agree that. It- we probably could have done a better job of pulling it together ourselves if it was explained a little better.
2: Even something like he like grabbed the, the armband as it went and he started to turn young again. And then he like, let it go or, you know what I mean? Like where it showed yeah. like oscillating thing and that the metal is super, like that would have been show versus tell. You know what I mean? I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Super minor, but throwing it up there and it's going to be controversial because this is like the best scene from the entire book. This reveal.
2: Yeah, I agree. Solid all is of the best.
0: All right, so Mistborn, the final part, that is our review. Peyton and Sydney, it's been fun to have you guys on as special guest stars. We'll have to have you back if people on Discord like your input. I'm <laughs> sure they were. I'm sure they will because <laughs> I was impressed by it personally, got to say. And if you like Phantology, check us out on social media at Phantology Books on our website, www.phantologybooks.com. Hop on Discord and chat with us. Check out Patreon for some exclusives. And we have merch now. We should have advertised merch maybe at the beginning of the pod. But merch does, in fact, exist. You can get your water bottles. You can get your coffee mugs. You can get your T-shirts. You can get your face masks, all branded with Phantology logos. So you're not going to want to miss those. There's a discount right now, actually. So, yeah, check that out for sure. Okay, thanks, everyone. And we will see you guys next time. Hey, I would just like to say
1: that for all of you people who have significant others or siblings or friends who don't like fantasy, maybe there's hope for you in the form of Mistborn.
2: Seriously, read, tell your wives to read Mistborn, because my wife husbands. read it, and she she's graciously watching kids, the kids right now, but she loved it. She like devoured these books. So even if they say that they might not like fantasy, chances are they'll like this book.
1: This is the secret sauce. Sometimes you have to sit down with them and force them to listen slash read it with the, at least the first few chapters with you before they get into it. It
3: worked. Road trip, be in charge of the ox. That's how you gotta do. It.
1: Yeah. All right. That that's all I wanted to add. Thanks, Steven.
0: All right. That's a wrap for Phantology. See you guys. Yeah.
1: Bye.